This is the MG Car Club podcast with Wayne Scott and Adam Sloman. On this week's episode, we talk to you and Jones about the young members branch of the MG Car Club, and we have news of a brand new model from MG Motor. Plus, Adam and I explore the history of the MG Metro 6R4 and find one for sale. The MG Car Club Podcast. Hello and welcome then to the podcast that is uniting MG fans around the world. It's the MG Car Club Podcast, episode 5, and I can't believe we've done five episodes already, Adam. We must be having fun. We must be, we must be. And some big news out of MG Motor, by the way. Uh, news of a new model coming very, very shortly. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But what we must mention is the fact that things are running as normal for the MG Car Club. And something that we we must tell you, uh, if you are a member of the MG Car Club, and if you're not, why aren't you? You've got to join us. It's good fun. Membership renewals, both renewals for those people that are already members and for those people that have just joined us are being processed as normal at the moment, aren't they? There's no reason not to renew your membership or to not to join the club. You'll get the same pack through the post. Absolutely. So although um, Kimber House is obviously currently closed to visitors because of the guidance from the government, um, we are still working at Kimber House. We can still take your membership um, or your renewal online. So, yeah, there's absolutely no reason why you can't still go ahead and do that. And conscious, of course, that a lot of people listening to us would have never experienced MG Car Club life. And I hope you're enjoying some of the member stories that we've been showcasing over the past five episodes here on the MG Car Club podcast. But let's remind everyone about what they get when they join the MG Car Club, because there's a whole suite of benefits, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, there's the traditional stuff that you'd expect from a club, like a really good magazine, which is, in our case, is Safety Files. So you'll get Safety Files to your door every every month, um, which is an award-winning magazine. You'll get discounts on your insurance. You'll get discounts on event tickets, most notably MG Live, where um, a member's day ticket um, is crazy cheap in comparison to a non-member's day ticket. They start as low as £16 and a tremendous amount of knowledge in the club if you've got an mg of any age and it doesn't matter whether it's a vintage pre-war mg or whether it's one of the z series cars one of the uh, post 2000 cars right up to the modern days there is someone who knows something about something about those cars for every single mg ever made right the way up to the present day isn't there yeah and those guys will support you all the way with your car well you will have any issues with an mg of course because they're super reliable and they (laughs) never go wrong absolutely (laughs) but of course over the coming weeks on this podcast you'll get to meet a lot of those experts as well so if you do have any particular burning questions about your mg that you'd like to share with us or ask us we can help you here on the mg car club podcast and we've got a unique way that you can go about doing that of course you can click the contact button at mgpodcast.uk and fill in the form and it's very easy to fill out all of the details on there and ask us a question what we've also added very recently is the ability to leave us a voice message as well and lots of you already getting in touch with the podcast by the written form but it would be really nice to hear some of your voices get you on the show and have uh, some of your stories shared as well so if you go to our podcast website mgpodcast.uk go on the contact page there you can see the contact form but also a little button that allows you to 
to leave us a voice message and you can feed back on the show via that. You can ask us questions and we can find you the answers. And you and I have been around car clubs all of our lives. We grew up into this stuff and we know and what is really good to share with everyone else who is perhaps listening to this who isn't a member of a car club is that it opens up so many more opportunities 110 percent the cars are great but it's it's the people that really draw you into the club and the more you do the more you get involved the the more value you get out of that membership there are certain places in the world certain adventures i've been on and some of the best moments of my life that would never have happened and i wouldn't have even dreamt of them had i not been a member of a car club and they're everything from holidays to tours to trips to rallies to competition events to motorsport i mean i've had some amazing experiences in classic cars i will write the book one day it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be my way out of retirement basically i'm going to just sit and write it all down it's going to be a fantastic read but it, it's not unique to me everyone who gets involved with car clubs enjoys these amazing experiences and opportunities you and i adam let's be honest we're men of modest means we're by no means wealthy but i attribute the fact that i can afford to keep a classic car on the road because i'm a member of a car club i get quite emotional about it because the club means a tremendous amount to me and it meant a tremendous amount to me before i was fortunate enough to to be the general manager and to work with the amazing people that i'm lucky enough to work with at kimber house um it's it's really difficult to put into words but like like we said the more you the more you put in the more you get out of it and i've met some wonderful people in the club and you know it's 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 a really difficult thing to sum up without um without getting emotional about it because this this club um and car clubs in general do so much good um and have so much power um yeah it's um it's amazing what you can get for for a membership fee do you need a hug mate i I think i do (laughs) (laughs) basically just join us that's what we're saying in a long roundabout way just join the club it's really easy go to mgpodcast.uk there's a massive button at the top right hand side of the web page where you listen to these podcasts that says join us just click it fill out the form pay your money come and join this amazing group of people that is the mg car club now i talked about men of modest means adam and uh, you are not going to be a man of modest means if you buy this particular car uh, there's a car <laughs> that we've spotted on ebay and I, I mean, I ache for this thing. I really, I I want it. I really want it bad. This is an MG Metro 6R4, ladies and gentlemen, on the eBay. Yes, and it's available for the low, low price of £350,000. So what I'm thinking is if we have a bit of a whip round, um, we we can buy the car. I'll look after it. And yep. then what we'll do is each listener um, can can send us their favourite number and we'll do a number draw on each episode of the podcast. And if your number comes up, you can come to my house and I'll let you look at the 6R4 <laughs> and then you can go away and I'll drive it again. 
to sponsor this podcast, contact us now. <laughs> the cost is £350,000. And uh, afterwards, we won't ever be heard of again. Let's remind ourselves of the history of the 6R4. Introduced in 1982, when the Group B regulations were prominent in rallying, which basically enabled manufacturers to do what the heck they liked. And it created monsters of cars that had never been seen before. Rover, BL, Austin Rover recently retired the TR7 V8s from competition. The Abingdon Works had sadly shut down. So at the end of 1980, Austin Rover was starting to drive the narrative of British Leyland and they wanted to get into motorsport and of course the guy that had run that TR7 V8 project for Triumph John Davenport I'm sure I've read in an interview somewhere they asked John Davenport why he went for a small car out of the fleet and I think the quote that he shared was that a small car makes a small track look bigger and that was kind of the reasoning <laughs> um, but of course in 1982 and this is the secret, I guess, of why the MG Metro 6R4 came about. Austin Rover, through John Davenport, was a sponsor of a Formula One team. And that Formula One team was Williams F1. Yes. So the skills that they had in-house were close at hand in order to design that car. And there was one man, wasn't there, that was chiefly the driver behind it. And we still in Formula One to this day... It was the Williams design chief, Patrick Head. Yep. He wanted something small and light. Williams are only a stone's throw from, from us in Abingdon. Um, and I've been told by members, uh, one in particular, uh, Darren Allsworth, um, Liz, our membership secretary, her husband, says he still remembers seeing uh, Metro 6R4s in test, um, being driven around uh, Wantage and Oxford and all over that area while they were developing the car. Well, they originally looked at the engines, of course, and Patrick Head resisted, I understand, them dropping the Rover V8 engine into the 6R4. I think that was originally what was planned for the car. But he said, no, no, we've got to go for something light, much more modern. They couldn't get it together in time because ex-Cosworth man David Wood was the guy designing it. And probably, as with all things Austin Rover at that period of time, he wasn't given a lot of time or a lot of money to do it with. <laughs> so the original prototype i think i'm right in saying this and anorax please do correct us if we ever get anything wrong i think the original engine that was in the first car was a rover v8 but they basically just lopped two of the cylinders off i didn't know that they fitted the rover v8 in and realized that in order to fit it into the metro they used that as the template locked the two cylinders off it they used that as the template for a v6 and realized that if they were to fit a big v engine into a metro the poor bloke driving it which of course would end up as tony pond would end up <laughs> being sat on where the back seats were so that is why the engine ended up going in the back of the 6r4 if you look at some of the contemporaries that were in group b at the time the the metro really sticks out because a lot of the manufacturers are using smaller turbocharged engines peugeot for example um whereas austin rover didn't really i guess didn't have the development budget um to work on a on a smaller turbocharged unit if you look at the the small engines that were in the austin uh, rover product range at the time there was nothing really suitable um so they had no choice but to go for a, a bigger naturally aspirated engine and and of course that ended up being the um the v6 there's an amazing youtube video you must hunt it out by the way of the press launch of the 6r4 
And there were two major things that happened in the early part of 1984. In January, they announced this car was coming and they announced a press launch at the London Excelsior Hotel. The second very important thing that happened in January 1984 was that I was born. (laughs) The press launch that they managed to pull off for the 6R4 was amazing because they basically started, and you'll have to watch it, you've got to go and look at this, it's on YouTube. They basically started with the car on a TV screen and it sort of showed it in motion. And then as the car came towards what the, basically where the camera was that was filming this piece, it burst out of the screen towards the audience <laughs> and Tony Pond drives it onto stage. Absolutely phenomenal press launch. And uh, yeah, considering the constraints of budget that there must have been at the time, that is the way to launch a car if you're going to do it. I mean, do it properly. Um, but incredible car. By the time it actually hit the rally um, tracks of the world, it of course had that V6 4V engine, which had four valves per cylinder. It was 400 brake horsepower, the 6R4. 60 mile an hour came in 3.2 seconds, 100 miles an hour in 8.2 seconds, which for 1984 is just mental. And um, a year later, it won its first ever rally. That was the Gwyneth Rally in Wales. Sadly, it didn't really do much better after that. I think Tony Pond's best positioning with it was third in the Lombard RAC rally in 1985, a little bit later on that year. Basically, it just got beaten up on the WRC stages. It wasn't strong enough to take the hammering that those stages gave it. The thing is, you've also got to look at um, what Audi and what Peugeot were doing. Um, Austin Rover and Ford with the RS200 were really late to the game. Audi had been at the the Group B thing since 81, I think. Um, And and Austin Rover, because they didn't have the resources of an Audi or a Peugeot, um, like I said, were late to the game. So by the time the the 6R4 was ready to go rallying, those cars had such a um, head start on it. By the time you get to to 85, you've had the the accidents with, with the Delta um and the loss of uh henry toivonen um and of course group b was outlawed soon after which really left the metro 6r4 nowhere to go austin rover themselves pulled out a year later after group b ended in 1987 but in order to get your place on the rally stages of course you had to be homologated that meant you had to build at least 200 cars for the road so you could buy 200 of these nutter machines and drive them on the road but they just couldn't sell them they were 45 grand if you wanted one from Austin Rover in 1987, in order to shift the stock after they cancelled the race program, they were selling them off for just 16k brand new out of the factory. Crazy! It's unbelievable. We were lucky enough to have um, Tony Pond's car on our stand at the NEC Motor Show a couple of years ago. Uh, years ago, it's owned by a club member, a guy called Michael Kitt. Michael's a lovely guy. And despite that car's rarity and despite that car's value, he will take that car anywhere for anyone who wants to see it because he knows just how beloved the 6R4 is. And you put that car on a stand, on any motor show stand, at any club stand, any event, and it draws people from far and wide. They are like moths to a flame. It's, um, yeah, it's an amazing car, the 6R4. Well, the work of Williams, Patrick Head and uh, the ex-Cosworth engine designer didn't go to waste, though. The legacy of that engine lived on because after the race programme was cancelled, Austin Rover sold the rights to that engine to a man that was racing their SD1s and the Jaguar XJS very, very successfully 
in the British and European Touring Car Series was a Scotsman by the name of Tom Walkinshaw. And Tom Walkinshaw, of course, was running TWR. He bought the design of that engine, turned that engine into what eventually became the three and a half litre twin turbo unit that appeared in the Jaguar Silk Cut Group C car races that took on Le Mans and then it arrived of course later on in the 1990s in the XJ220 so that engine and the legacy of the Metro 6R4 lived on yeah amazing bit of kit just amazing here's a challenge actually if we can find out who the new owner is whoever buys that car how about this Adam we offer them if they're listening to this podcast the opportunity to put that car on the NEC Classic Motor Show stand of the MG Car Club. What do you reckon? Sounds like a good idea, mate. We saw a brand new MG5 leaked to the press in recent days, uh, but not just any old MG5 this. Of course, out there in China, it is known as the Rowey EI5, but this is an estate car. Adam, this is quite interesting a move for MG and quite exciting because this really firmly puts the brand in the sights of the fleet and business customers, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also exciting to see something from MG that is is a car rather than, a, than an SUV. I mean, MG have followed the trend um, very closely with the ZS, GS and HS um, because SUVs are big sellers. Um, but it's really interesting to see them with a with a car and with an estate car as well. I mean, last time I was in China back in um, March of uh, 2019, uh, I saw quite a few of these on the roads in China. Um, it's, a, it's a very capable looking bit of kit. Um, I understand that a lot of the technology um, is shared with the ZS EV. So that already suggests that it would be a decent uh, EV. We've had quite a bit of experience of those um, between us, haven't we? Mm. So, um, so, yeah, it's exciting. Well, it certainly puts them in a different market. And uh, when it arrives in the UK, which they say will happen as soon as the coronavirus lockdown is released and they're able to open the dealerships in the normal way that car will go straight on sale in the uk it's going to be the first electric estate of its type on sale and especially in the price bracket they reckon it's going to be around twenty five and a half thousand pounds when it's launched so for an estate electric car i can't think of anything else in the market that is going to be that much value for money yeah that's 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 a unique offering isn't it fantastic it'll be interesting and we'll have to do it once we're allowed out of uh, lockdown compare it to the ford focus estate or something of that ilk to see how it measures up um, as an electric car but the really exciting thing and i don't know whether this is some kind of dare or challenge from mg motor but (laughs) what they're saying is mg's next move if this car sells well so if we're all good boys and girls and go out and buy this mg5 estate car that will give them the confidence and the backing to launch that sexy sports car that they unveiled at the motor show as a concept back in 2017. Um, I mean, that was it's the emotion high performance four seat sports car, not the most catchiest name in the world. I'm sure they'll come up with a better name for it, <laughs> but my god, is it sexy! I love yeah. that car, I really like it. It's a really smart looking bit of kit again. Um, 
I was lucky enough to be in in China for that motor show when they took the covers off the car, and it was phenomenal. It did draw a little bit of flack because there were some, shall we say, tweaks to the uh, MG octagon that made it less of an octagon and more of a circle. But MG have been very quick to to realise that that was a bit of a mistake. Well, they reckon with its twin motor all-electric design, you'll be getting three seconds to 60 out of that thing. So not only is it gorgeous, but it's going to rip your face off with its performance as well. <laughs> I mean, I'd just, oh, I'd just I'd ache to see that car on the roads. It's got to be happening. Because of our, our close working relationship with, with MG in China, so many people have said to us, when are they going to do a sports car? When are they going to do a sports car? And I've always argued that, well, how many Mazda 5s and Mazda 2s and CX-5s do Mazda sell in order for them to be able to to legitimise the production of something like the MX-5, which is a niche product? Well, now we're seeing MG get to a level where they're getting the kind of global sales that do mean they can afford that wiggle room, if you will, to produce something like the Emotion. I think, personally, when we do see the car, because the Emotion was quite a big car with a four-seater, it was more of a Grand Tourer, I think when we do see whatever shape this MG sports car takes, I think we will see something that's a little bit smaller, um, that's a bit more akin to something the size of the the last-generation MGTF. Um, yeah, I think it's a really exciting proposition. So the message is, basically, ladies and gentlemen, get out there, buy this new estate car, because if we do, they promise they'll make it, and then we can all have one, and that's what we want. And uh, it'll inspire younger generations into the MG brand as well, and it's of younger generations we turn to next, because we've talked about how the MG Car Club has benefited the lives of, well, me and you, Adam. We've had a great life out of it, and still are, and we're having all sorts of brilliant experiences, and we grew up with the club, but there's a whole new section of the club that are also growing up with the club and making a real success of the MG Car Club Young Members Branch. And we'll talk to Ewan Jones from the MG Car Club Young Members next. The MG Car Club Podcast. The MG Car Club, the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centres and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go.uk. Memories from Kimber House with Adam Sloman. MG production in Abingdon ended in 1980, but some 31 years later the last MGB produced came home. The car can today be found in Abingdon's museum, but getting the car into position was far from simple. It was transported from the British Motor Museum with its drivetrain, suspension and windscreen all removed, so once back in Abingdon the car could be turned sideways and passed through the museum's windows. Once in place it was reunited with its running gear and windscreen and remains one of the key attractions in the museum. Located in the heart of Abingdon, the museum is just a short walk from Kimberhouse. Sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club podcast. The MG Car Club are working hard to ensure that future generations are here as part of the club to enjoy MG's long into the future. And one of the ways we're able to do that is through the Young Members Branch. And the guy heading all this up for us joins me now. Hi Ewan. Hello Wayne, how are you? Very good, thanks. Under normal circumstances, what sort of stuff do the Young Members Branch get up to? So far, we've we've done a couple of sort of small um, meetups and events, sort of an AGM and committee meetings. This year was obviously meant to be quite a big year for us doing um, different events. 
um, and joining up with other CRBs in the club. Um, but maybe that'll be something for next year. Well, of course, 90th anniversary of the MG Car Club this year has kind of been overshadowed by the pandemic that we're facing at the moment. But the whole idea, I guess, is to give a section, a group or a gathering of people within the club that um, younger people can identify with. So I suppose what we should define, first of all, is what younger person is. Is there an age limit to this or how does it work? We have a discounted membership that starts at um, starts at 16 and goes up to 25 but our young members bracket goes up to 30 so if you're up to 30 you're still classed as a young member within the club so if you're 31 you're you're now officially old is that right (laughs) (laughs) that rules me out then (laughs) tell us about some of the stuff you've done in the past leading up to this now well we sort of officially formed into the club uh, about two years ago now um, at a club council meeting an AGM and from that point we've just sort of I just keep growing. Um, new members um, join through our social media. They find us on social media, see what we're about, um, and join us through there. Or what we've really found as um, quite positive for us is going to the NEC, whether that be in the uh, Classic Motor Show or the um, Restoration Show. We seem to pick up a lot of members there who didn't know we existed, um, and maybe have got an MG or looking to buy one and they find us there and um, join the club. And what sort of cars do the young members branch drive? Is it a variety? Is it newer stuff? Is What sort of cars are they into? It's, it's a real variety, actually. Um, there's sort of, a lot of people said, you know, at the start, oh, it'll just be ZRs, uh, ZSs, MG3s, a lot of the newer stuff. But actually, you start seeing a lot of members come through with a lot of older stuff as well plenty of bees out there bee roadsters gts midgets a few metros um even even back to older stuff some of the t-types a- mga stuff like that there wow. it's a real mix and that's that's what's really great uh, to see you get real a full range of cars and are you finding these are people that are buying these cars for themselves they own the cars or are they the family cars are they handed down what is there a trend there uh, most people, I'd say, um, have some got an MG connection in some way, um, which is something I've been running on our social media, which is finding out people's MG story, where, where the love came from. And you see a few that have had the cars handed down, um, but most people have got an, a, a connection somewhere, but have gone out and purchased one for themselves. And so uh, you gather all these young people together. Obviously, there must be a lot of drinking, parties, <laughs> clubbing, that sort of stuff. Uh, what sort of uh, events do you put on? Um, we've, we've got a real mix of um, cars and people within the... We haven't done any massive events at the moment, uh, apart from do, taking part in the NEC and, MG, um, and M, smaller MG events. Uh, hope, hopefully next year we can put on a few uh, events of our own, whether that be... You know, a static meet-up, um, a weekend event, a, a road run type event, which are, you know, are popular with the rest of the club, um, but also seem to be quite popular with the younger people as well. You can go along now to bigger events like MG Live and actually have your own sort of gathering of young members, new owners, that kind of thing, that can tack on the back of those more established events. That's, that's the beauty yeah. of it, isn't it? No, definitely. Before before we became an official part of the club, 
a couple of years ago, we were invited to MG Live to have our own stand, um, which was fantastic. We had so much, so many positive comments about the, the cars we had on display over the weekend, and people were so pleased to hear about the enthusiasm we had for the brand. And you mentioned there that you do a lot of your recruiting and a lot of your communications on social media. Is it a, a challenge to turn those people from social media into physically turning up to stuff? We've sort of been promoting quite a lot on social media about member benefits, um, hopefully look at insurance at some point in the future as well, which is a big draw. That's probably the biggest um, draw for membership and comments and questions you get online is where can I get good insurance, cheap insurance for a classic car or... And of course, you're part of a bigger ecosystem of young members, sections of car clubs out there now. And every year, the Tire Fest event seems to grow yet larger, where all of the young members clubs come together. Is it nice to be able to sort of share events and share stories and friendship with those other marks? Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, we're all in the same boat at the end of the day. We all like, we all like cars, we like classic cars. Um, and we all want to see our individual brands and clubs continue, whether we've got a Triumph or a Morris Minor or a Jaguar. You know, we all want to you know, see those brands continue, and it's good to have an event like Tire Fest and also catching up at, at the NECs. You know, for us, it was quite a big, a big event with the Midget and Sprite young members, the TR Youth and the Morris Minor young members. We had that sort of close connection together next to the Pride of Young Members stand as well. Yeah, it's really nice that the NEC have put you all together in like a little community there. It's uh, yeah. good stuff to see all the clubs coming together. And Yeah, definitely, because you, you get people out there looking for a classic car, not sure what they want. You know, going to a show gives them ideas, and if we're all together, we could all speak to them and say, well, you know, this is obviously an MG, this is a Morris Minor, and... You grow your membership from there. You do have quite a lot of knowledge within the realms, and you yourself work within the industry, don't you? Yeah, um, I work for um, David Manners Limited, supplying uh, Jaguar, MG, Triumph, Mini, Morris Minor parts. Um, but I've worked, I did a classic vehicle apprenticeship um, at Vista Heritage um, with two garages before moving to Manners. So I've got knowledge of working on the cars, but also the parts as well, which does come in handy. And you've got a fair collection of MGs at home. Tell us about your cars. Yeah, um, they change all the time. It's sort of every year one goes or another gets added. Um, at the moment, I've only got two. I've got uh, a 69 Old English White Midget, which I've had since I was 17. And a recent purchase last year was a 67 Mark One BGT in uh, mineral blue, which is uh, a very nice car. Looking forward so next year obviously you want to run more events as you say but where do you want to see the young members branch go in the future obviously a, a big increase in membership would be would be great um sort of bigger presence in the in the car club and in the in the wider community we just like to see people driving mgs and coming to our event and hopefully they you know they enjoy the mark um as much as as we all do well ewan jones the chairman sounds very official of the young <laughs> members branch of the mg car club thanks for talking to us just remind us where we can go to find out more and join in with the young members activities uh if you search us up on facebook and instagram the mg car club young members branch you'll come across our uh, instagram 
um, page, Facebook page, and um, Facebook group as well. Cheers, Wayne. Thank you. The MG Car Club Podcast. Safety Fast, the magazine of the MG Car Club. Get your copy now by joining us at mgcc.co.uk. Well, great to hear that there's a new generation of MG fans and car club enthusiasts coming through into the MG Car Club, Adam. Yeah, really good. You and and, and the guys in the Young Members branch uh, are really on it. When we looked at sort of giving an offering to younger people, we thought that they would all be coming through with those really affordable um, cars like the the ZR and and MGF. But we've been amazed just by the sheer variety that, and you've only got to look on the the Young Members Branch page on Facebook to see the amazing range of cars they've got. They get involved with events of their own. They also bring young people to MG Car Club main events as well. And they're one of the car clubs that supports the Tire Fest event, which is an event that brings all of the youth branches, youth registers, youth groups of all of the different car clubs across the classic car spectrum together every July and uh, hope given the current circumstances that that is able to take place in some form or another I know in the next few weeks here in the UK we are expecting to hear what we're supposed to do with the rest of the summer and whether our lockdown restrictions will be eased but um, it's really nice to see a youth movement in classic cars generally building some real momentum now well Adam we've got some sexy new merchandise to talk about now what you got in your shop yeah, so we've got some really good stuff, as always. Uh, Inika has very kindly given me uh, a few pointers to let you guys know what we've got at the moment. Um, we've got some new um, Abingdon-on-Thames sweatshirts available. Nice. Uh, very nice. We've got uh, some new ladies' linen caps, which are a limited edition 90th anniversary uh, version. Uh, ladies' linen cap? Is that like a hat? It's like a hat. Uh, for a lady shows Um, how much i know about fashion everyone you see well mate mate with your hair you don't need a hat do you well this i am no on the contrary with my hair or lack of it i can't go anywhere without a hat okay well let's get inika to send you a ladies linen cap actually i'm a flat cap man i'm a flat cap wearer and i'm proud to say it we need some mg branded flat caps can you put that on the list, please? I will get that on the list. Um, <laughs> at the other end of the scale, um, from flat cap wearers, we've got uh, a baby vest. Um, so we were talking about young people. Let's go right to the very start of life and get them in right from day one. So we've got a baby vest. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. Um, best bet is to head over to our website, um, mgcc.co.uk, click on the link for the shop, and you can find everything you could possibly want there. It is the 90th anniversary of the MG Car Club this year, and there's a whole load of stuff there that is commemorating that fact, isn't there? Yeah, we've got limited edition stuff specifically for this 90th anniversary so when it's gone it's gone and we we still get people ask us now for um 85th anniversary stuff that we created 80th anniversary you know stuff that we've done in the past to celebrate previous milestones and unfortunately the only way you can get it now is to buy it from someone second hand on ebay mm-hmm. and pay you know exorbitant prices on ebay so best buy it now while you can Get your hands on the 90th anniversary merch. Don't miss it because it is only available this year. Also, we've got uh, we've got a correction to issue on the podcast. Yes. Yeah, so last week I was talking, or it might have been a couple of weeks ago now. I was talking about the fact that I'd needed to replace the grill badge on my BGT. Um, now I have to admit that I didn't know why 
they changed, why they were different. Um, I've seen all sorts of weird and wonderful badges on different bees along the on, along the way. Well, Barry got in touch, and here's what he had to say. Good to hear you on the podcast talking about getting the youngsters involved in car maintenance, and I hope your boys are enjoying it. I do hate to be an anorak and pick you up on one thing that you mentioned, though, and that was that there were only two badges on the grill, the black one and the silvery coloured one. Unfortunately, this is the bit I'm picking you up on because our car, a 1964 MGB, had a badge on it that was very similar to the horn push in the early MGB. It had wavy lines behind the MG symbol. Now, I was told, and I don't believe it was true, that the police have objected to this because it reflected the red of the badge forwards. I'm more inclined to believe that it was a cost-saving measure at Abingdon um, because the early badges had four fixing clips behind them, whereas the new ones, as you know, will have just a bit of glue. So I think Abingdon were cutting corners there to save money. Not unusual, obviously. Uh, Somebody in the States did decide that they could reproduce the early badges when they worked out the cost of the tooling it was going to work out at over a hundred pound a badge so nothing ever went ahead hopefully now with 3d printing coming into its own uh, somebody will get onto it and we'll have some early badges back again keep up the good work with the podcasts cheers so uh, so yeah quite a good little story there so you've unraveled something that if someone's rebuilding a car or restoring a car, especially to concourse standard, they're going to need to know because it's crucial to get the right badge on the grill. Yeah, exactly. You know what uh, You know what these concourse guys can be like. It's got to be absolutely perfect. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Thanks, Barry, for getting in touch. Don't forget, you can do the same as well. Go to our podcast website, mgpodcast.uk, click the contact button, and not only will you find the contact form there to get in touch with us via the written word, but also you can leave us a voice message as well. It's really easy. Just click the button there that says record your message, follow the steps, and you can be on this very podcast. So... From the MG Car Club podcast for episode 5, we'll see you next week. Take care, guys. Subscribe to receive new episodes of the MG Car Club podcast at mgpodcast.uk.